Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit our website, nbcmetairie.org. Now here's this week's message. Well, this morning as we get ready to dive into God's Word, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 17. If you're joining with us online, we want to welcome you guys here today. If you've got a set of notes, you can go ahead and be pulling those notes out. Anyone that's following with us uh, online today, or maybe they're listening later on on the podcast, you can go to our website, nbcmetairie.org. You can get a set of notes right there uh, by clicking on worship or clicking on the sermon tab. And you'll be able to get those and they'll guide our time together. As we talk about football, today obviously is the the Super Bowl for 2022. You know, and it got me thinking, as I mentioned earlier, that I've been fascinated by the game. I've been fascinated particularly with the job of the quarterback. The job of the quarterback that once the ball has been hiked and it's in his hands... The challenge for the quarterback is to look down the field. And there's a lot going on down the field. But his job is to look down the field and see all the moving parts and to pick one of his options and to go with one of those options. You know, it got me uh, thinking about when I was in elementary school. I can vividly remember I was in the fourth grade and we would go out at recess and we would play football. Now, I got online yesterday and I said, I said, I wonder if my, if my elementary school is, is still out there. I went to elementary school. I went to the fourth grade in Russellville, Arkansas. This is an, I found, I was able to find it. This is uh, Sequoia Elementary in Russellville, Arkansas. This is where I went in my fourth grade year of, uh, of elementary school. And down in this uh, bottom right corner is where we would go out on the playground. It's amazing to think, you know, this is probably like 25 years ago, but it's amazing to go back and to look at this place. It's still there. That is the yard where we played fourth grade football. And let me tell you, I don't know what kind of competition is going to happen this afternoon with the Super Bowl, but it is it pales in comparison to the competition that was on that field uh, about 25 years ago. And so I, I was thinking uh, uh, about that, and I'll never forget this time. You know, I was still kind of new. I was, you know, I was new to any game with a ball. I didn't play a whole lot of games with, you know, that involved a ball. Uh, later on, I became more of a cross-country uh, runner and whatnot. And so I, I would like to go out and just, you know, I would, I would play defense, and I just like to run out with the guys. Well, there was one time that the, the young man who was playing the quarterback had no other options, and I was it. And I can vividly remember, I can still see his face to this day. You have some of those memories in your mind that you can still see if you, you go back 25 years ago. I can still see him. He, I couldn't hear it because of all the commotion going on, but I can still see his mouth moving going, you better catch this. I can still see it. You know, and I could, I could read it vividly. And here we are, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's about to happen? And he throws the ball to me and thank God it was a Nerf football because it's nice and fluffy, you know, that's all we had in those days. Flew through that Nerf football and I caught it. I was so proud. And immediately someone did two-hand touch and I was down right there. But I, I had that opportunity uh, to move the ball. 
that day. He was looking down the field for all his different options, and he got stuck with me that day. And it got me thinking about how every day we as believers are almost in a sense kind of like a quarterback. If we look at our daily lives and we're called to pass the ball of the gospel uh, to those that are around us, it's our job every day to look down the field of our lives and see all the options and not to stand still to be men and women of action when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What happens when a quarterback stands still too long? You know exactly what's going to happen. If he stands still too long, he's going to get sacked. He's going to get hit. And, and, and for all of us that are here today, that whole time that you've got this nasty defense line called the schemes of the devil, he would love nothing more than to knock us off our feet. And I think a lot of times that we are open to his schemes because we're not moving, because we're not taking the ball of the gospel that has been hiked to us and we're not moving and we're not passing we're not looking down the field we're just standing there and we wonder why we get hit time and time again there's something about movement there's something about even sharing the gospel that will take you deeper in your walk with Jesus there's passages in the scripture that lead me to believe that you that there is a place that you cannot go a depth that you cannot go in your relationship with Jesus unless you are sharing your faith. One of those passages is uh, Philemon 1.6. It's one of those verses I, I remember from, from a young man. I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of the depth that we have in God. So there is a place that you cannot go in your faith unless you're sharing. You're just standing there. You're going to get hit by the devil. And it reminds me, I was reading this week uh, uh, one of my books. I was uh, one of my books actually from seminary that I wrote a, uh, a lesson on, wrote a paper on by Dave Early. It's called, it's the book called Evangelism Is. And I was reminded of a quote that was in that book. And, and, and I want to, I put it in your notes and I also want to put it up here on the screen where it says this, everybody needs Jesus. There has never been a person born on this planet who didn't have a gaping God-shaped void in his heart. All of us are alienated from God by sin. And all of us have a need for the gospel. So each day, you and I have been called to pass the ball of the gospel to someone or at least to look down the field and see who God has put in our lives and given us that opportunity on that particular day. Before we get into our passage today, we're going to put up here on, on the screen, we've been walking through uh, Acts um, and, and Paul's second missionary journey. You can see it here. We've kind of been walking through this, so I won't explain the whole journey to you. i tell you what we are going to do, though, today is we're going to zoom in and kind of see uh, some of the more recent events. The Apostle Paul was uh, locked up in the city of Philippi. 
He came down into Berea, uh, came down to Thessalonica. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And, and then he was thrown out of Thessalonica after many people came to know Christ. And then he went into Berea, as we saw last week. The Bereans gave him a noble reception, and they were eager to learn the word. They examined the scriptures daily to see what Paul had to say, to see if it was true. But then, lo and behold, some of the Jews came down from Thessalonica and they stirred up everybody and Paul once again had to leave that city. And, and I, I'm led to believe that this was a probably a pretty serious time because he didn't just go 40 miles from like Thessalonica to Berea. Now they're saying, man, you really need to get out of Dodge. You really need to go down south. And so you see he goes to the coast. You follow that little line there. He goes to the coast and he actually leaves the region of Macedonia. He's been in this area of Macedonia for a while now and he's leaving that and he goes into this area called Achaia. Now Achaia we would recognize as Greece, modern day Greece. Some of y'all may have even traveled to Greece and uh, seen some of the, the places around there. It really, that region wasn't called Greece at the time. It was called Achaia. And so he comes down here He's going along the coast. Scholars, they don't know whether or not he took a boat or if he just kind of followed the coastline. We're really not given uh, much indication. But what we do know is that he comes in and he goes into Athens. And so we can see uh, in Acts chapter 17, verse 14, we'll put it up here on the screen just so you can kind of follow along. Acts 17, verse 14, it says, Then the brothers and sisters immediately, look at this, sent Paul away to go to the coast. We saw that on our map. But Silas and Timothy stayed there. So they're going to stay in that region of Macedonia. They're going to continue to minister. In verse 15, it says, Those who escorted Paul brought him, look at this, as far as as Athens. And after receiving instruction for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. And so what you've got here today is you've got the Apostle Paul. He's in Athens. He's been escorted there, but now he's by himself. And now he's looking around the city of Athens. Have you ever been traveling somewhere and maybe it's a new city and maybe even in a foreign country and you've walked around and it was really just you. You didn't have a tour guide. You didn't have, you know, someone to walk you around. And so you're just walking around and you're just exploring. I've been there myself. There's been places in, in Asia and, and more specifically in, in South Korea that I spent and man, I'm not speaking the language very well and I'm having to walk around and just learn and observe and find my way around. That's kind of where the Apostle Paul was as we look into this. And so I just want to pick up with a few verses here this morning in verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, let's talk about Silas and Timothy, it says he was deeply distressed. Well, why was he deeply distressed? When he saw that the city was full of idols. Verse 17 of chapter 17 so he, re so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. Verse 18, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. 
Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Now, different Bible versions translate this different ways. Uh, some, some of your versions this morning in the middle of 18 may say, what was this guy trying to say? What is this ignorant babbler trying to say? The reason there's these different translations is because this is uh, one of those sayings that they had in that day that we don't have in this day. Essentially, they, they said this quite literally, what is this seed picker trying to say? Almost like the, the idea of a, of a bird going into a field and just picking up whatever seed they saw there in order to eat. They're, they're saying, what does this guy know? He's just picking up random things that people have said and he's just babbling about them. He's just trying to, he's just talking. You know, what? we don't even know what he's saying. So you might have some different things, uh, different ways that, that this is uh, said in your particular translation. What is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be preaching of foreign deities because he was telling of the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And so what Paul is doing here is he's that quarter, he's got that quarterback mentality. He's looking down the field and he isn't just seeing an opportunity here or there. He is seeing opportunities everywhere and it's overwhelming to him. Now, can I just teach you a few things? There's so many good things about Athens that I just want to just teach this morning. I'm going to put this picture up here on the screen. Uh, if some of y'all have been to Athens, you might have, have seen this. Believe it or not, at this day and age that the Apostle Paul comes into Athens, it's not the golden age of Athens. Athens, and Greece in particular, is, is really almost in a decline See, the golden age of, 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 of Athens and Greek culture was actually during the 5th century B.C. And so here, it, it's still there. It's like a key place for philosophy, for medicine. Uh, there's a university right there in Athens. And in fact, it was one of the most important universities in the ancient world. But it had kind of lost its, its glimmer, if you will. And so, in fact, uh, by one scholar said it this way, by Paul's day, the city of Corinth we'll be talking more about it in the days to come, had actually replaced Athens as the most important political and commercial center in Greece. But nevertheless, we see that it is a religious center. In fact, there was a pagan writer whose name was uh, Petr Petronius who was once joking when he said that it was easier to find a god, little g-o-d, uh, like, a, like a pagan god in Athens than it was a man, because there were so many idols and so many foreign gods. And so this is what Paul is walking into. In this picture up here on the screen, you have the Acropolis up there on the, the high mountain. So the Acropolis, uh, Akron, which means the highest point, and Polis, which means city. So the highest point of the city you have up there, the Acropolis. And on the top of the Acropolis, you have the Parthenon, which is uh, it's a, the temple to the goddess Athena. And she was the patron deity of the city of Athens. And this is where Paul ends up, a city that is wildly diverse. It's got Jews. It's got pagans. It's got atheists. You say atheists? Yes, it's got atheists. Even with all these gods and all these idols, it's got atheists. It's got pantheists, as we see today. They believe everything is God, not just this or that. They don't split the gods up. They're pantheists. And so as God's quarterback, what call is he going to make? What direction is he 
going to go. And how can we apply what we're reading today even to our own lives? I'm going to show us today that in, in a sense, we're almost like Paul, even right here in the city of New Orleans, that when we look around, we have numerous opportunities and for us to take those opportunities as well. So if you've got your notes this morning, I want you to write this down, how every day we not just Paul, but we have to keep our eyes wide open looking for the opportunity to share Christ. And then I want to give you a few different groups. And the first one that I want to start with this morning is the religious. With the religious. We see right here in verse 16 that he goes into Athens. It's a city full of idols. And where does Paul go? Well, he goes where he normally goes. He goes into the Jewish synagogue. And so in verse 17, it says, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews every day with those who worshiped God. And so he starts out with the Jews, the same like every other place that he's ever been. But this is so important because you and I, in the same way, don't we live in a very religious city too? Think about New Orleans. Think about everything that's around us. I was having lunch with a guy this week and he was telling me that his wife is from Detroit. He said that she had come to know Christ as her Lord and Savior, but that her family was atheist. And he said, then we moved down here. And that's, that's kind of like a common thing in some of those cities that, you know, atheism abounds and uh, things like that. But he comes down here to New Orleans and he said, man, there's religion everywhere you go. You've got an NFL team called the Saints. You've got an arena team called the Voodoo. You've got a rich Catholic culture here. You've got a Baptist seminary here. You've got a world of paganism here. When I worked down in the French Quarter, uh, I had a one of the ladies that worked down there, um, her name was Audrey. And Audrey was a tarot card reader. And there was many times that Audrey knew where I stood as, as a believer and I had the opportunity to share with her and love on her with the love of, of Christ. But nevertheless, she was a tarot card reader. I mean, everywhere you go, there is religion, even in our our city. And so quarterback, I mean, Apostle Paul stood in the same way that you and I do and, and understands this one point. Religion does not get you to heaven. Religion doesn't get you to heaven. And let's just go back to the Jews that he was talking to. The Jews were very devout. They were praying, they were fasting, they were keeping the Sabbath, they were keeping the Ten Commandments. But this wasn't going to save their souls because they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's the same way with you and I. It doesn't matter how much we pray. It doesn't matter how much we fast. It doesn't matter how much we go to church. It doesn't matter how much we keep the Ten Commandments. At the end of the day, if you have not been saved by God's grace and you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you will not be with him at the end of time. I hear folks say all the time, well, I grew up this way, or I grew up that way. Well, great, but have you trusted in Jesus and his sacrifice alone for your salvation? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Has your life been transformed by Jesus? Or are you checking the do's and don'ts on your list, trying to work your way to heaven? See, Paul was in the exact same place that we're at. He's looking around at all these religious folks and that for us that that he had his eyes wide open to see the people who were religious all around him my wife and i had a uh 
young lady contact us this week, sent us an email this week. It was one of the most precious things. It was so, so special. You know, when you're in ministry, you do so many different things, you know, and there's so many uh, different things that come your way, you know, but there are these highlight moments. And this week I had one of those highlight moments. This young lady sent us an email and she said, I want you to know that this Sunday, she said, I'm, I'm getting baptized. And she said, she, she grew up in another denomination uh, where they baptize as infants. But she said, you know what? I'm getting baptized this week, not because of anything that I've done or that my parents have done. She said, I'm getting baptized this week because now I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And she said, and that started with you and your family. And she, she even mentioned you guys here at Memorial. She said, that started right here at Memorial. And I just thought to myself, as we were coming into this today, someone who had grown up, in fact, her brother was a minister. Brother was a minister for, for years, but she had grown up in this very religious environment. And then one day it just clicked. Holy Spirit got a hold of her heart and said, you know what, that, that's not how you have forgiveness of sin. The only way that you have forgiveness of sin is by faith alone through grace alone and what Jesus has, has done. And so you can ask this question, you know, well, Pastor Dan, if I'm the quarterback and I'm trying to reach people around me who are very religious, how do I know whether or not they know Jesus Christ or not? How do I know if I'm supposed to share with them? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because if you can get them to tell you their testimony or lack thereof, then you will know. If they say there was this time in my life that I was lost, but now I'm found, they have to talk about some kind of transition and not just a transition from, good, from bad to good. That's not gonna work. They have to have a transition from I was doing things in my own life and then I found Christ. And if you can hear that testimony, if you can hear that, that transformation, then you will know that they have gone from a religious lifestyle to a relationship with Jesus. And that's what it's all about. So Paul is looking over that and you and I are looking over that. But then there's a second group that he sees. And, and it's every day that you and I have to keep our eyes wide open looking for the opportunity to share with this next group. And the next group is the breadwinners. The breadwinners. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Dan? Well, let's take a look. So he goes to the Jewish synagogue in verse 17. And, uh, and then it talks about him, you know, with those who worship God. But then look at this. Don't miss this. Halfway through verse 17, it says, as well as in the marketplace every day, with those who just happened to be there. So now he's walking around and he's looking at the marketplace. Are you guys in the marketplace? Am I in the marketplace? Yes, I mean, we're bumping shoulders with people in the marketplace, in the business world all the time. People that you work with, people that you sell to, people that sell to you. I mean, we're always in the marketplace and that's where the Apostle Paul is. He is in the marketplace and he sees businessmen and women and they are the ones that are trying to get ahead in life. They're busy, they're focused on their careers. Do we have people like this in our lives? Yes, we do. We have the exact same people. And, and there's nothing wrong with being a breadwinner by any stretch of the imagination, even for us to work on our personal careers. The problem arises the same way that it did with them when you spend your entire life working on your career and then you die. 
And the Apostle Paul could see this because he had, an, he had an, an eternal perspective. These guys are going to work their whole life. They're going to be in the marketplace. And then one day they're going to die and they don't know Jesus. And so I need to share with them as well. And so praise God, I, I think about all the things that, that happen you know, in our life and working hard. But one day you're going to pass. And when you pass from this life to the next, you don't take anything with you. The only thing that you take with you is a relationship with Jesus. That's the only thing that we take out of this life. And I think about people and their kids, and they say, well, I want to work hard so I can pass it down to my kids. It's unfortunate that I've done a funeral or two or 50. I've done a lot. And it's unfortunate that I've seen many times that the same kids that you were looking to provide for are the very same kids that are fighting over the inheritance once it's all said and done. And so for us to say, you know what? We need to look at those that are in the marketplace. The third group that I want to talk about this morning is that every day we have to keep our eyes wide and open looking for the opportunity to share. Now, here's the third one, and I'm going to explain this one to you. And the third one is the Epicureans. The Epicureans. It tells us in verse 18 that Paul is talking with the Epicureans. And the Epicureans were those that lived for pleasure. They wanted pleasure. They were the closest thing to an atheist that, that we might be able to think of. And so their idea was living for pleasure, drinking, sex, food, entertainment. They might even have the motto, you only live once. And so for us to think about that, do we have these in our lives as well? Yes, we do. We have the Epicureans all around us, people that live this way all around us. And he's reaching out to them. He's He's connecting with them because he recognized that there is a God-sized hole even in their lives. They followed the, the, the philosophical beliefs of Epicurus. He was a philosopher, kind of like Aristotle or Plato back in that day. And, and essentially, it, it, he was telling them to live in such a way that, that you only live once. So you might as well live your life however you want, do whatever you want, because one day you're going to die. And so they live for pleasure. And you and I have the opportunity to look around us, and the people that are in our life as well, and say, you know what? You can live for pleasure, but at the end of the day, it won't fill you up. Who is in your life? Who's in your life that's an Epicurean? Who's in your life that lives for pleasure? How can you share to them? And I'll tell you this, the people that live this Epicurean or hedonistic lifestyle, they're drawn to stability. When, I, when I've noticed these people in my own life that lived a hedonistic lifestyle and they're just living for themselves, you can almost look at them and tell because their body has taken a toll over time. Maybe they've got the wrinkles. Maybe they, they've, you know, they look older in age because they, they're just saying, I'm just going to live however I want. And their body has taken the toll. But here's what I have found in all my years of ministry, and I want to share it with you, is that many times they will see the stability in your life that is brought by having a relationship with Jesus. Even when your circumstances are all over the place, they will look at your life and they'll say, I want that. Because even though they're living for pleasure, drinking, food, sex, all of those things, that they'll say, what do you have that I don't? And we live in this day and age, Mardi Gras is right around the corner. And man, that's kind of what Mardi Gras is all about, is about this Epicurean belief. They were atheists. I'm going to die. I'm going to pass away. I might as well live life up to the fullest right now. And it's our job 
to be in their midst and to share Jesus with them and to say, you know what? Every one of those things, the party lifestyle, the reason I, I can connect with the Epicureans is because I live the party lifestyle. I know what it's like to live for pleasure. And you know what? Here's the deal. The party always ends, always ends. But a relationship with Jesus is enduring. It never ends. I can be going through the hardest circumstances of my life, but I've still got Jesus. I've still got the comfort of knowing him. I've still got him providing for me. And they are drawn to that. So you've got the Epicureans. And then every day we have to keep our eyes wide open looking for the opportunity to share with this other group, the Stoics, the Stoics. So in your notes, you might put out by the Epicureans, you might put pleasure seekers. And then next to the Stoics, you might actually write in your notes, they believed in self-mastery. So they were the opposite. They followed the teachings of a philosopher named Zeno. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about. So he's talking to the Epicureans. He's talking to the Stoics in verse 18. And this is what one scholar said. He said that they were pantheists and their emphasis was on personal discipline and self-control. They rejected the idolatry and pagan worship. So they're rejecting all of these idols that are around them. And they saw self-mastery as the greatest virtue. They believe in self-mastery and in, in being indifferent to both pleasure and pain, reaching the place where one almost feels nothing. And, and they put things like wisdom and they put things like philosophy up on a pedestal. If you've ever seen the, the movie Gladiator, uh, you might remember that the, the emperor at that time was Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius in, was a real person in history who had many stoic writings. And so he had all these different stoic writings about uh, living a disciplined life, living a life that is orderly. And the primary goal is logic and wisdom. They're thinkers. So let me ask you this, as we look down the football field of our lives, do you have thinkers in your life? Do you have people that, they might just not be pleasure seekers, oh, but man, they're deep. They're in thought. They don't know Jesus, but they are thinkers. Do you have people like this in your life? I've got people in this in my life all the time, and they're deep, and, and they, you know, they're always thinking about different things, you know, and they're, they're almost like a philosopher even in, in our day and age. And you're like, man, how did you get this way? Where they're always thinking of different things. And here's the thing, a, a, a stoic in our day and age might look very stable, if you look at their life, you go, man, they got it together. Why? Because they're orderly. They're not given away to flamboyant emotions, okay? Their emotions don't control them. And so you might actually look at someone in your life and say, you know what? That person, they've got it all together when in the reality is, even though they're a deep thinker, even though they're highly disciplined, they don't know Jesus. And it's our, it's our job to look at them and to say, you know what, but do you have Christ in your life? In fact, the Apostle Paul mentions this uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He actually kind of brings this whole thing together. He, he's, I, I really think that he's thinking about Athens and he's thinking about the Epicureans and he's thinking about the Stoics. Can we put this one up on the screen? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. It says up here, so he's writing to the Corinthian church about this, but I really believe in mine, he's got the folks in Athens. He says, for the Jews ask for signs. You know, the Jews, he went to the Jews. He wanted to talk to the Jews. 
It's what we talked about. The religious people, they're looking for a sign. They're looking for a miracle in order to believe. Now look at this. Greeks seek wisdom. That is a perfect description of the Stoics that it's talking about right here. But here's what messes them all up. Religious, pleasure seekers, wisdom seekers, this is what messes them all up. But we preach Christ crucified. Stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. You say, Pastor Dan, how do I pass the ball to these four groups in my life? You simply teach Christ crucified. How do you do that? Share your story. Share your story. Share what Christ and Him crucified has done in your life. As we get ready to close this morning, I'm thinking of of uh, Mardi Gras and Mardi Gras being right around the corner. And a lot of times if you're local to the area, uh, there's a lot of folks that will go to the parades, but then there's a lot of folks that, that get out of Dodge. Are you one of those people that you're like, man, I've, I've got to get out of Dodge. I got to, some of you will take your vacation and you schedule it right during Mardi Gras. I know so many of you do. And we have folks that even that, that work here at Memorial and they do that as well. One of the places that, uh, that they always want to go during Mardi Gras is Disney World. And uh, I think we, you know, if you've ever been to Disney World and if you've ever been during that, that week of Mardi Gras, you might be looking and you say, hey, where are you from? New Orleans. Or you'll see someone with a saint's hat or something like that because it's a, it's, a, it's a place that a lot of people like to go in order to get out of Dodge. But as I thought about that, you know, I thought about what we've been studying today and the world in and of itself is like that little boy that went to Disney World or went to a theme park with all the rides and all the attractions, and he took his eyes off his parents, and he got separated from them. He had no idea that mom and dad are looking for him because his eyes are on everything else. But the reality is, even though he doesn't feel it in that moment, he's lost. See, he's, he's attracted to all these other things, all the sparkle, all the rides, the food, the people, everything. But he doesn't realize that he is alone and that he is lost. And we can become that, we are that little boy, the lost are that little boy. And they have the distractions all around them of religion and business and pleasure and even the wisdom of philosophy. And we don't even realize how lost we are until the park closes and we don't know which way to go. My wife and I uh, lost our daughter one time in the mall here um, in Lakeside Mall. We went up there on a Saturday. We turned our back. The same story with every parent. We turned our back for just a second. And she lost track of us and went looking for us. And we lost track of her and went looking for her. And we could not find her. Praise God, there are folks all around the mall and all around theme parks and their specific job is just to provide security. And they provide that security immediately. They got on their radios and I'm talking within 60 seconds. They had found her and brought her to us. You and I have the job of that security. You and I, there'll be people all around us are looking at the glitz and glamour of this life, not knowing that they are lost. But the day is going to come that they look around and they realize that they have no support in this life. And it's our job to bring them to the Father. 
Can you handle that? Can, can we make a commitment even this week to say, you know what? I'm going to be the quarterback. I'm going to look around my life and I'm going to be the one that brings the lost to the great father. Let's bow and have a word of prayer.